We are so excited to be here tonight. As Josh mentioned, we have two sermons tonight, which is crazy, or it's one sermon split in two. So you get to hear from me and Rachel. What a treat, right? Um, so as Hunter mentioned, my name is Julia Johnson. I'm on staff here um, with Chi Alpha. And um, just a little bit about me and how I got here to Chi Alpha, um, to James Madison University. Um, Hunter and I got married in the summer of 2018. And shortly after that, we moved to Charlottesville so he could do an internship with UVA Chi Alpha. We also have an internship here at JMU. If you want to know more, hit up your core group leader. Um, anyway, so Hunter was doing the internship at UVA and I was working at Chick-fil-A at the time as a training director, which was really fun um, and I really enjoyed that. But shortly after we moved, I felt like God was asking me to um, consider doing something different. I didn't know what that meant, but I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just pray about this. So a few weeks later, Hunter um, asked me, would you ever consider campus ministry? And I said, no way. Like, that is your thing. That's not something that God is calling me to. I, that's not for me. But then I felt like I should pray about that because I, I didn't really want to put God in a box because that's never a great idea. Um, and so as I was praying about it, I, I really felt like God was asking me to transition into campus ministry. And I was like, God, no, this isn't for me. And he's like, yes, I want this for you. Um, and so finally, one day we were at a fall retreat and someone was talking about discipleship. Um, and he said, here at Chi Alpha, we believe in making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And that just hit me. I was like, I, I want to do this. This is what God is calling me to. Like, I want to be a part of making disciples for Jesus. And um, so a few months later, Josh and Katie asked Hunter and I to pray about coming to JMU with them. And I, we were both so excited. Um, the more we prayed about it, the more our excitement grew for like starting a new ministry and coming to JMU. And so we decided that this, we were like, yes, this is what God wanted us to do. Um, but as, as the months grew closer for us to move here to Harrisonburg, um, the more I started thinking about how I was not prepared to be a campus minister. Um, I kept questioning and I, I started to get really fearful. I was like, God, is this really what you want for me? And he kept saying yes, but I kept having doubts and kind of excuses as to why I shouldn't be. I kept asking, who am I to be a campus minister? And I think that too often when God calls us to something, we begin to question our identity. We begin to say, who am I? We say, I'm not blank enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not qualified enough. I'm not worthy enough. Maybe our excuse looks something like, I don't have enough time. This doesn't fit into the timeline that I had planned for my life. Or maybe it looks like I'm too awkward to do something like that. That was also an excuse of mine. I was like, I'm too awkward. I like no one's going to want to be in my small group. Um, God, this isn't for me. And as I went through those lists of excuses, chances are there was something that resonated with each of you. There was something that, that you have thought before or something that you're currently thinking, some, um, some excuse for why you shouldn't do something. And I love this passage that we're going to look at tonight because um, we see this man named Moses. And when he's called by God into this great adventure, he responds in a super relatable way. 
And so tonight, as we continue our series, The Struggle Israel, we um, come to the struggle to say yes. Um, Last week, Katie preached on the burning bush moment where Moses is shepherding his father-in-law's sheep and he turns aside because he notices that there's this bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed by the flames. And so he notices that God is speaking to him through this bush because he was paying attention and he turned aside to look at it. So tonight we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 3 in verse 7 through 11. And I'm just going to pray over the text before we read it tonight. So Jesus, thank you so much for bringing us here tonight. Thank you so much that you speak to us through your word. Um, And God, we thank you that you... um, Yeah, you love to call us into your plan, Jesus, that you love to call us to to go on a big adventure with you, God. And so I just pray that you would speak to us tonight, God, that you would calm any fears that we might have of of, um, walking with you, of of doing life with you, Jesus. Um, So I just ask this in your name. Amen. So if you'll open your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 3, it's the second book in your Bible at the very beginning. And we're going to start off in verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So God tells Moses that he wants to partner with him um, and and that he hears the cries of his people. And God's like, Moses, I want you to do this. I I want you to partner with me to rescue the Israelites out of slavery. He wants, um, and so Moses responds, who am I, right? Moses is like, God, do you even know who I am? And as we learned um, last week and the week before, that Pharaoh was the most powerful man in all of Egypt. He was the most wealthy, the most powerful, and God asks Moses to go up against Pharaoh to take his slaves away from Egypt and into the promised land. And so from what we learned last week and the previous week from Josh and Katie is that Moses was a shepherd um, and he was shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. So a shepherd in that day was the lowest of the low in society. Like no one really wanted to be a shepherd. That wasn't a life that anyone usually chose for themselves. Um, So, but then we also find out that Moses didn't even have his own sheep. He was shepherding his father-in-law's flock. Um, And then also we heard last week that Moses, while he was in Egypt, he killed an Egyptian man. And so Moses is, he he not only feels like he, he doesn't have anything going for him, but he also kind of has a dark past. And he's like, God, don't you know that I'm just a shepherd? Don't you know that I have a past with Egypt and that Pharaoh probably wants to kill me? I think those are two pretty good excuses to not really do something, right? But we'll, let's read in verse 12. God said, I will be with you 
and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And so when Moses comes with his excuses, when he says, God, do you even know who I am or who I'm not? God reminds him that he is not alone. When Moses has doubts about being worthy enough um, to be called by God, he rests in God's presence. And God says, Moses, you're not alone. And I love that because instead of God saying, Moses, I'm going to make you this really great and mighty and powerful man, God says, I'm with you. He doesn't try to tell Moses that he's going to change who he is, but he says, hey, I want to partner with you. I know your past. I know who you are, and I am going to be with you. And that's where Moses finds out that he's not alone is when he rests in the presence of God. And so we see that when we rest in the presence of God, the question of our identity is restored. We don't have to focus on our inabilities or our weaknesses because when we rest in the presence of God, he tells us truth to combat lies of our identity. And he doesn't care about our past or about um, who we think we aren't. He says, I am with you and I still want you to partner with me. And God not only promises that he will go with Moses, but he also promises that he'll bring the Israelites and Moses back to this place to worship him. So Moses knows that he's not alone and that they will make it out of Egypt. And so when I look at Moses and I, when I look at these excuses about his abilities and um, about why he shouldn't partner with God, I notice two things. First, even though Moses has doubts about his abilities to partner with God, he brings them to the right person. He brings them to God. He doesn't say, oh God, I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough or strong enough, but like you'll find someone else and walk away. How easy could that have been, right? But instead, the second thing I love about Moses is that he rests in God's presence long enough to receive an answer. So he brings his doubts to the right person, to God, and he also waits and rests in God to receive an answer. So my question for you guys tonight is, is this your first response? When, when God calls you out of your comfort zone, like he did for Moses, what will you do? When you have doubts about your abilities or about God, what will your response be? Will it be to tell God about what you aren't and turn away? Will it be to think about why you shouldn't? Or will you bring these doubts or these fears and these excuses to him and just rest in his presence? So going back to my story, I was fearful. I had doubts. My biggest fear was that I would be the one that held the team back um, from its full potential. I don't really know what that means. I was just like, no one's going to want to join my small group. I'm just going to be the one that's like, why is Julia on this team? Um, and so I was fearful. I had doubts. But as I look back on that first year of ministry and that first year of Jamie Chi Alpha, I can see it so completely marked with God's faithfulness. I saw and I experienced that when I took the time to daily rest in the presence of Jesus to abide with him, all of my fears and doubts literally just faded away. When I looked at who God was instead of who I was or who I thought I wasn't, everything just seemed smaller and I got to partner with God in what he had for me to do. And it has been truly amazing. I don't think I've looked back once since that. 
Um, Rob Reimer, he's the author of this book, Soul Care, great book, 10 out of 10, would recommend to probably everyone. Um, Rob Reimer, he says this, when we keep our heads down, all we can see is ourselves. But when we lift our head up and gaze at Jesus, all we can see is Jesus. Like we can't even see ourselves when we're looking at Jesus. Um, and so Jesus tells us in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In 1 Peter 5, 7, we're reminded to cast all your cares on Jesus, for he cares for you. And Jesus tells us in John 15 to remain in me as I remain in you. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I tell you this so that um, my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Or in other words, when we abide in Jesus, when we take time to sit in his presence and look at who he is, he, we know that he is truth. We know that he is the way. And we know that he gives us all of this so that we can be complete, that our joy can be full and that we don't have to um, look to other things to fill our joy or to, to make us um, believe anything more about who we are. And so as, we, as I wrap up my portion of this evening, um, I just want you guys to think about what it is that you need to combat truth with. Right? What in your life are you believing from the enemy, either about yourself or about something that God is calling you to, that you need to recognize and that you need to bring before the Lord? Right? And as we saw with Moses, when he sits in the presence of God, when he brings his fears and his doubts and his worries to God, that's when he finds the answer that God will be with him. So I encourage you guys tonight, bring any doubts, any fears, any worries to God and see what he's going to do with those. And the only way to know about God's presence is to be in it and to rest in it. So Rachel, you can come on up. Hi everyone, my name is Rachel. It is wonderful to be here tonight. Um, Julia, that was such a great word. Um, and she laid such great groundwork uh, and review of what we learned the past two weeks um, and what it looks like when we walk in insecurity and resting and abiding. And with that, we're going to learn what it looks like. Um, we rest and then we wait. And then now we're going to talk about knowing. Um, Valerie put on the slide, there's a slide that says um, who I am. Um, the question of who am I is less than the question of who is he. And so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about right now. So once again, little review from what we heard from Julia. Moses felt insecure and was doubting his abilities. He was focused on himself and wasn't focused on, on who was speaking to him, on who God is and who God was and who he will always be. Um, and many of us can identify with Moses. Um, the struggle was real to say yes for Moses and it can be struggle for us to say yes, especially when we're caught up in our insecurities and in the I can't do this um, thoughts. So we all have moments where we feel unequipped, where we feel confused, when we feel alone, afraid or overwhelmed, but we can rest in God's presence and that is where our identity is restored. We rest, we wait, and we know. Um, in the place of knowing who God is, 
that is the place of obedience and that is where our yes manifests. So we're gonna pick up in 11 again. Um, once again, Exodus 3, 11, um, and I'll just read. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So everything of who we are stems from who we think God is and what he thinks about us. The question of who am I completely stems from the question of who is he? God is, God's identity is so much more important than our identity because his identity is the foundation of everything that we are and everything that we could be and, um, and beyond that. Uh, he's our creator, so it makes sense that um, in order to know ourselves as the creation, we need to know the creator. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of Holy, um, claimed that what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I think this is, this is completely and 100% true. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. Um, as people are focused on themselves, on their abilities and inabilities, um, they seem to always fall short in their own eyes and other people's eyes. But when their eyes are fixed on Jesus and who God says um, he is and who God says they are, things get better. And they, they prosper because they're looking at themselves through the lens of Christ. And also, um, if, if everything that I've just said of our foundation of our world being on who we believe God is, then I have some statements that will, will lead to that. So, if you believe that God doesn't exist and we were created through cosmic coincidence, then the very base of our worldview is based on purposelessness. If everything was an accident, then everything that I'm doing has no purpose because there is no purpose in the creation of the world. If you believe that God created you and just left, then the foundation of your worldview and theology is based on abandonment. If you believe that there's a God and he's angry with you and you have to impress him to earn his favor and appease him, um, then, your, then your view of the world is through the lens and on the basis of performance, appeasement, and fear. With this specific one, um, it makes me think of when I went on a missions trip to Thailand. Um, I went my freshman year, and it was the farthest I've ever been. It was a 12-hour time difference, and wow, culture shock, and it was amazing. Shout out to spring break trips. If you aren't going on one this year, highly recommend to go on one next year. Um, but anyways, um, as we were walking down the streets of Thailand, they had all these little homes lined the side of... Um, of the sidewalk and street. You couldn't go 25 yards without walking past them. And I asked one of um, the missionaries, who we call workers there, um, we asked, I asked them, what are these little homes for? Um, and they said, the locals believe that there are evil spirits that they have to appease. So in order to keep them out of their own homes, they built these beautiful little homes like dollhouses on the side of the streets and they would give food and they would sacrifice incense and bring these little gifts to make sure that their home was protected from these evil spirits 
So their whole lifestyle was based on giving gifts to these evil spirits so that it wouldn't harm them or they wouldn't come into their homes. And then vice versa, they would um, have little homes in their their bigger homes for, for good spirits that bring blessing and, and favor. And so once again, their whole worldview is based on fear. And if I don't do this, then this is going to happen to me. And if I do do this, then this will happen to me. That is the basis of a God that is just asking all these things of you with no love. And then finally, um, for our last example, if you believe that there is a God who is loving and cares for you, then your whole worldview is based off of the idea that there is a heavenly father who loves you and has a plan for you and cares about you. Who God is absolutely shapes our world. The very purpose of our lives is derived from the very essence of who we believe that um, believe oh, of who he is. I'm going to say that again because I got tripped up over my words. But he, I said the very purpose of our lives is derived from the very essence of who we believe he is. And that is why God meets Moses with I am. Once again, in that scripture, starting at 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered through all generations. So who do we see God is in this passage? Once again, he says, I am who I am. There are no equals. He says, I am is greater than all else. I am, once again, has no equals. He is the goat, the greatest of all time. Um, the Israelites, of um, they were in slavery and under the oppression of Egypt for hundreds of years. And before then, they had a pretty good relationship um, with the Egyptians because um, of what happened with Joseph. You can go back and read that in, um, in Genesis if you'd like to. Um, and the Israelites, they were in this culture where there are a whole bunch of little gods. And by I say little gods, little G gods a.k.a. lowercase g. Um, and so there are all these little gods that they would see the Egyptians sacrificing to and worshiping to. And so when God says, I am who I am, he's making a very clear distinction that I am above these other gods, that there are there is nothing like me. I cannot be molded by stone or wood. I cannot be shaped by mankind's hands because I, with my own hands, shaped mankind. Um, he goes on to say that I am the God of your fathers. He's speaking in present tense about past events and past people. In his saying, in this statement, he is saying, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the God of your past, aka I'm the God of your past mistakes, your past accomplishments. I'm the God of your present, this present, the, the now, the struggle of saying yes now, the struggle of getting your homework done. I'm, I'm the God of this present and also I'm the God of the future. I, I cover it all and I'm unchanging and I'm perfect in all of my ways. And also when he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is saying, I am the God of the promise. I am the God of covenant. Um, 
way, way back when talking about Abraham, um, God comes to Abraham and, and declares this promise and he brings Abraham to um, land that is his and his inheritance. And God says, walk this field and, and see the dust of the field. And he says, your, your, um, your inheritance and your descendants will be more than the sand in this field. And then once again, he takes uh, Moses out in the middle of the night and he says, look up, Abraham, look at the stars. Your, your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars. The Israelites were living in this promise. They were living in the promise of they could look around themselves and see the very promise and the fulfillment of the promise hundreds of years before with Abraham. This, this one man became a whole nation thousands upon thousands of them. That is a huge promise that came to fulfillment. So who is the great I am? We've all been wondering, what am I going to say? What's the Lord saying? What's he speaking? Well, the great I am is everything and so much more. We read through scripture that he is described in so many different ways, and we're going to list through that. So when we are in the pit of deep darkness and depression, he is El Elyon, the most high God. He is the God who pulls us out of the darkness. When we don't know our next step in our life, um, when we don't know what job we're going to get, when we don't know um, what, uh, where the next payment is going to come in, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. When we're emotionally un. Uh, unstable and incapable when relationships are falling apart. Once again, he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. When um, you're a senior in college and you don't have a job and you don't have an internship and you don't know what you're doing with your life, he is Jehovah Ra. The God, um, my God is my shepherd. He leads you um, from green pasture and he leads you through the wilderness of the unknown. Of the unknown. When we're overcome with worry and anxiety and disputes, he is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. When we feel alone and misunderstood and rejected, he is Emmanuel, God with us. He is our comforter, and in that we will never be alone. He is the great I am. He is Yahweh. He is the Lord. And he is Jesus Christ. We see that fulfillment of the promise of, of the remnant of Jesus coming forth. And he is those things. When we see God rightly, we can better understand who we are. When, we are, when we're insecure, he is security. When our, our self-confidence is low, um, when we don't think that we can get anything done, we can throw out our self-confidence and be God-confident, knowing that He is greater and that He is enough. I don't want to be self-confident. I know that I'm not enough. In His Word, it says, in my weakness, He is strong. So why embrace my weakness and stay weak, but when I could embrace my weakness and depend on Him in His strength? So that is where we get rid of our self-confidence and we dive right into God-confidence. So how do we take this knowledge from head knowledge to heart knowledge? Well, I'm going to tell you. Easy peasy. It's actually kind of hard, but it's simple to say. Um, so many of us know all these things. We know that God's provider. We know he's Emmanuel. We know these wonderful things about God. But why don't we operate in this truth? Like, why don't, why don't we operate 
as if we know it in our heart. It's all this head knowledge like, oh yeah, I know this Rachel, come on, give me some fresh stuff. It's like, okay, well, are you walking it out in your life? I can probably bet you're not doing that 100% of the time because I'm not and I really wish I would because my life would be, wow, hallelujah, you know what I'm saying? But, um, but yeah, wow, where am I in my notes? Okay, so yeah, you may know this in your head but not in your heart. So as Julia talked about abiding, God's presence is the very solution to, who, to what our identity is. We're constantly in that cycle of, of rest, waiting, and knowing. When we stop to rest in God's presence, we wait to hear his voice. Then we will know who God is in a greater way. And our, um, our identity is strengthened and therefore our yes is strengthened. The way to know who God is and ultimately to know who we are is to rest in his presence. In the same way that we get to know um, girls down our hall or guys in our core group, we spend time with them. That's the only way to build relationship is abundant, uh, is a, an abundance amount of time spent with the other person. Um, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Love came first. Relationship came first. Time spent came first. Resting came first. Waiting came first. In the place of knowing, in the place of knowing God, our yes emerges. This happened for Moses and in the same way it can happen for us. When we have relationship, um, in the same way that a mom has a relationship with her daughter, and there's that trust and, and connection built in, in drastic moments when the mom's like, don't run into the street, and she stops right before she runs into the road, there's that trust built of like, oh, I hear my mom's voice, I'm not gonna run into the street. I'm gonna protect, like, there's that protection and there's that barrier there. As we abide and spend time with Jesus, our thoughts become his thoughts and the struggle to say yes becomes a little bit less of a struggle. Lisa Tursker um, said, my acts of obedience are evidence of my trust in God. Once again, time spent strengthens our trust and enables our obedience in a greater way. This happened with Moses and I guarantee it'll happen with you as we, as we stop and rest, as we wait, and as we know who God is, then we know who we are and then our strength um, then our yes is strengthened and it's released in greater obedience. So as we're concluding tonight, there's a lot of meaty stuff here. So I'm sure that you had your pens flying across the page and you're like, wait, how can I hear this again? Once again, the podcast, or you can go back on the Instagram story. Um, there are some nice little nuggets in there. Um, think on, I'm going to give you a few questions to, to meditate on the words that Julia and I just gave you. So first, ask yourself, who do I believe God is? Does that align with scripture? Or does that align with a false worldview that, that the world's saying of, of who God is? Um, do I believe that he is everything that, that he says he is? Do I truly believe he's going to provide? Do I truly believe that he's going to protect my reputation? Do I truly believe that he understands me when I feel misunderstood by my peers? Do I truly believe that when I'm alone, I'm not actually alone because he's with me? In what areas um, do I feel lack? Is it because you're believing a lie about God and about his character? 
Are you believing the lies because people have influenced you in those ways? And then once again, what is preventing our yes? What is, our, what is preventing us from stepping out of the boat? What's preventing us from being obedient to God's call on our lives? And I, I want to encourage you throughout this week to, to take some time to rest, to wait, and to know who God is. And I, I promise you, as you do this and as you spend more time with the Lord, by the end of the semester, you'll be more um, strengthened, strengthened in your identity. The foundation of who you are will, will feel like a rock instead of sinking sand. So as we um, close, I'm going to pray and then... Um, yeah, and then we'll say goodnight. So yeah, God, I just thank you so much that you are a faithful God and a faithful Father. Lord, that um, through you telling us who you are and us experiencing your presence and us knowing your character that we get to know who we are. Lord, that your identity is what we want to think on and reflect on. That we don't want to be constantly staring at ourselves and, and wondering, can we do it? But we want to look up. We want to look up to you, and we want to have our eyes fixed on you, God. Lord, I pray that you would um, strip away insecurities, God, that you would, you would refine us um, to look like you. Lord, that our thoughts would be transformed into your thoughts, God, that we want your mind, that we want your heart. Lord, we thank you that, um, that you're a faithful God once again, and that you're a faithful Father, and you are who you say you are. And we can, we can be secure in that and we can be confident in that. So, Lord, we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would all like to stand for the benediction, um, and then we will peace out and say good night. All right, so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you um, and, get, and be gracious to you and give you peace. Amen. All right. Go Dukes. See you on the flippity flip.